Well, welcome to June. Boy, it kind of felt like summer yesterday, didn't it? It's uh, warmed up, and, and summer's just one of those great times. There's just so much going on, and you've already heard about camps and mission trips and Bible school uh, kicking off here and vacations and, and just a lot going on. Uh, one of the things that uh, distinguishes perhaps this summer is it's, it's one of those summers where there's also going to be, I think starting in like two months, the Summer Olympic Games, right? And they've had all sorts of issues, so everybody's hopeful they're going to have the Summer Olympic Games there in Brazil, uh, but, they're, but they're pointing to that, and, and regardless of, of whether you're a sports fan or not, there's, there's so much to kind of admire uh, about Olympic athletes, and regardless of the country they're from, the, the language they speak, you, you know there's some things that are true about them. Uh, you know, first of all, that they are, they are incredibly gifted just physically. They, they, have, they have just certain uh, aptitudes, abilities, propensities, uh, just the, kind of the way they were wired. Uh, they, they have just some athletic abilities that are just awesome to behold. You also know that uh, most of them have had a lot of good coaching. They've had a lot of folks uh, pouring into their lives and helping them to kind of draw out some of the best that is in them. But for those that are at such an elite level, we also know one other thing, and that's kind of the thing I want us to, to, to think about this morning is kind of our, our launch pad into the message. And that is that uh, these athletes, male, female, they, they have exhibited uh, a tenacity, uh, an ability to endure they have sustained, I mean, week after week, day after day, month after month, for some of them, literally year after year after year after year, they, they have been training, they have been preparing for these few moments that will occur in August of this year. And they, they have endured, they have had this, this great tenacity of purpose to be able to, to keep on keeping on. And I'm sure there are many, many times through the years that they felt like just taking off or, or, or quitting or whatever it may be. But one of the things that's enabled them to be where they are is because of their ability to sustain and to sustain that effort and that training year after year after year. In much the same way, if you and I are going to be the people that God has called us to be, if we're going to fulfill the purposes that God has for our life, we're going to have to have a capacity to sustain. We're going to have to have a capacity to endure. And in order to do that, we need to experience God's sustaining grace. And when I think about God sustaining us, uh, one of the, my favorite verses is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It's a very simple statement of faith, of fact, that Paul makes about the Philippians, but I think is also something that you and I can grab hold on as a promise uh, as well. He, he's just opening up his letter to them. He's talking about how he remembers them with joy. He remembers them in his prayers. And then he, he turns in verse 6, and, and he talks about uh, this, this completing work of God. And I am sure of this. No hesitation, no doubt. I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus 
Christ. That this one who began this work in you, he began a work in you by grace, is going to carry it through to completion. And that's not just the completion of the promise of heaven, and that is certainly a great promise in and of itself, but he is going to complete the work he has begun in us. Complete the work of conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Complete his work in us so that we will fulfill the purposes and plans that he has for our lives. Said another way, I like to think about it, the fact is God is a finisher. That God always finishes what he starts. God who began a good work in you is not going to drop out. God who started something in you is not going to give up. That he is going to carry it through to completion. God always finishes what he starts. But you and I have a role in that as well. You and I are called to play a part. We are called to endure. We are called to sustain. We are called to a tenacity. We are called to be involved every step of the journey. But in order to do that, we need to experience God's sustaining grace. You can think of sustaining grace as uh, the, the power to keep going when you want to give up. The power to keep going when you want to give up. And so what I want to just talk about for a few minutes this morning is when, we, when do we need God's sustaining grace? But then I want to focus the most of our time on the ways that we can appropriate God's sustaining grace. Because it's one thing to say, God is making this available to me. But it's another thing to say, I have appropriated it and am experiencing it in my life on a daily basis. When might I need God's sustaining grace? We'll think about three times. God's sustaining grace helps me to keep standing when I'm tempted. To keep standing when I am tempted. We live in a world where we are going to be bombarded with temptation all the time. Scripture is crystal clear on that. First Peter being one example. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We live in a world where temptation is all around us. We live in a world system that is corrupted by sin. We live in a world system where there is a very real adversary at work. But in the midst of that, we experience God's empowering, sustaining grace. So that that Paul can encourage the Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, there are times when all of us find ourselves in those situations. And we want to kind of excuse ourselves. We want to say, well, the temptation was too overwhelming. Or you don't understand, my situation is unique. My situation was different. I, it's just it's this rare combination of things that happen that nobody in the world has ever faced before. And the Bible says, that's not true. No temptation has come into my life or yours that is not common to man. But God's sustaining grace is available to you in the middle of that temptation. 
I need sustaining grace to keep standing when I'm tempted. I need God's sustaining grace to keep standing when I'm tired. Anybody here tired this morning, right? I won't talk about the way some of you look, but my guess is if you're not tired this morning by the end of Bible school week, some of you are going to be tired, right? We all experience weariness, the weariness of just continually showing up, the weariness that comes from, from challenges day after day after day, just fulfilling the demands of life, the expected and the unexpected. And there are times when we just, just don't feel like we have the strength to keep moving on. And that's where we need God's sustaining grace. I love the way that God's word encourages us in that. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a great promise from God's Word. And what a great offer of His sustaining grace. There are times that, and maybe you're in one of those seasons right now, you're just tired. The load has been heavy. The demands have been constant, at times seeming overwhelming. And you're tired. Maybe you're physically tired. Maybe you're mentally tired. Maybe you're emotionally drained. Maybe you just spiritually feel a little flatlined. You're tired. And in those moments of tired, I need a strength greater than my own. I need a strength that is even greater than the strength I had in my youngest, strongest days. I need a supernatural strength. I need God's sustaining grace. I need it when I'm tempted. I need it when I'm tired. But I also need it to help me keep standing when I'm troubled. Because in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. That there are troubles that come into all of our lives. But in the midst of life, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the trouble, we're encouraged. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the midst of trouble, God wants us to experience his sustaining grace that will strengthen us, that will help us, that will hold us up along the way. I love the way the psalmist put it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help when in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, though so-and-so's nominated for president, though the economy's going in this direction, though this is happening in, in, the, in society, though this law gets passed or that law gets passed, I'm not going to let those troubles overwhelm me because I have a God who can give me sustaining grace, and he can help me to keep standing when I am troubled. God's sustaining grace helps me to keep going when I feel like giving up. It helps me to get through what I'm going through. 
But it's not enough for God to offer sustaining grace. For it to be operative in my life on a daily basis, I have to appropriate it. And that's what I want to talk about in the time that we have remaining. I want to talk to you about five ways that we can appropriate God's sustaining grace. And let me just go ahead and tell you on the front end of this, I'm probably not going to tell you something that maybe most of us in this room don't already know. But the question this morning isn't, do you know this? The question is, do you practice this? Are these things that are habitual in your life? Are these things that are are patterns in your life? Are these these things that you have put into your life in such a way that it positions you to receive, to appropriate God's sustaining grace on a daily basis? And so I'm just going to invite you, even as you think about this, and and maybe already this morning you've you've said tempted, (laughs) tired, troubled. Yep, I qualify, right? Maybe you need to go through in these next few moments and just say, God, would you just show me, are there one or more of these kind of practices that I need to to ramp up or I need to revive or renew or start brand new in my life so that I can better appropriate the grace that you desire to pour into my life, your sustaining grace. One of the first ways that we can appropriate God's sustaining grace is to just ask for it. Call out for God's help. To just come before him and, and, and to have that conversation in the midst of prayer to say, God, I need you. I need your strength. I, I need your grace for this. Peter uh, wrote encouragement uh, to followers of Christ, casting all, all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. I mean, it's that sense of I'm calling out, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this over to him. All the anxieties, all those things that are troubling you, all those things that are wearying you, all those temptations that you're, you're bombarded with, to carry them and cast them unto him. And to do so with a, with a confidence, a confidence born out of God's grace through Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews encourages us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, here's the encouragement. Let us then with confidence, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice what the Scripture's saying. Oh, when you find yourself in those moments when you need God's sustaining grace, you, you don't have to come hesitantly. You can come with confidence. Confidence because God says, I love you. You matter to me. Confidence because Jesus Christ has made possible your conversation with the Father, that you can cast all your anxieties on Him. And sometimes that's through some formal times of prayer, maybe a regular quiet time, our time alone with God, devotional time, whatever you call it. But sometimes it's those moment by moment, those little flash prayers that we've, we've talked about. So you, you mean you're getting ready to walk into to this meeting with this person. You know it's going to be a tough one. And you just, you just want those quick conversations. All right, God, I just, I need your help for this one. This is, this is going to be a hard one. Our God, here we go again. This is one of those EGR people in my life, extra grace required, right? I, I need your help for this one today. Okay. 
God, I don't have a clue about this one. I am at a loss. I got more options or no options. I need your wisdom. I need you to guide me. I need your sustaining grace. So it's a form, it can be a conversation that you have as a part of a quiet time, but it can be that ongoing conversation as you walk throughout your day, as you encounter various things where you need God's sustaining grace. Call out. Call out for God's help. You don't, have to, you don't have to close your eyes to do that. You don't have to pull the car over to the side of the road. You, you, just, you have that conversation with God. Am I continually talking to God? Am I continually casting my anxieties on him? Am I calling out for God's help? A second way to appropriate God's sustaining grace is to fill your mind with God's word. To fill your mind with God's Word. There's so much, so much in God's Word. And I cannot recommend to you strongly enough this as a frontline way of appropriating God's sustaining grace in your life. Let me just give you a couple of encouragements from Scripture. The psalmist writes, Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me, and notice that last phrase, according to your word. According to your word. There is something strengthening about filling my mind, about meditating on God's word and God's wondrous works. In fact, as Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, I want you to know why all this stuff was written down. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And we might have hope. That's part of the reason that God has given to you this incredible gift of His Word in a language that you can understand. Do you realize the unprecedented level of access that you and I have to God's Word? And to be able to fill our minds with God's Word is to open ourselves up to this major conduit of His sustaining grace in our life. Now, let me, let me even just share with you a little bit out of our journey. And many of you know, you know, this past year or so has been, we've been on a wild ride as a family. And I, I'm just going to tell you, out of my own personal experience, there was nothing Nothing more powerful for me than the Word of God. That just continually coming before the Word of God just gave such strength, such encouragement, such hope, such perspective. There were times, you know, you're too tired, you're too busy, you're too overwhelmed. You don't feel like reading God's Word. Man, those are the times you need to do it the most. And when you keep showing up and you keep opening up your life before opening God's Word, God takes that Word and He infuses you with sustaining grace. I cannot begin to tell you the number of times over the past year or so where God had just delivered the exact right word for that moment. And it's just one of those, you you open it up and it's like, really, God? (laughs) You already knew 
You already knew what was going to be going on today, and you had a word prepared for it. That is the power of God's word. That's why the enemy of your soul will do anything in his power to distract you from the word of God to convince you that you don't have time, that you're not going to get anything out of it, that it's not useful, that you're too busy or it's too elementary or whatever it may be. I'm going to tell you, though, if you don't continually fill your mind with God's Word, you are cutting yourself off from a major, major conduit of God's sustaining grace in your life. Call out for His help. But fill your mind. Fill your mind with God's Word. And it'll seep into your heart and it'll empower your life with sustaining grace. You call out for His help. You fill your mind with His Word. But you also have to come to a point that you're going to submit to God's sovereignty. That you are going to submit your life into the sovereign hands of an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. We come to the books of the Bible like the book of Job. We understand the journey of Job. Job knew incredible highs and depths of lows that many of us folk hope we never, ever, ever, ever have to get near, right? But through it all, through the confusion, through the bad counsel, There was something in him that rested in, that found sustaining grace in submitting to the sovereignty of God. So as the book opens, he just says, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's sovereign. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? That God is sovereign over all of creation. And there are things that he has sovereignly chosen to allow into our lives. And some of those we call good and some of those we call not good at all. But, but to come to that point and say, God, I don't, I don't fully understand it, but God, I trust you. I submit my life to your authority. James talks about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, but he gives more grace because that's what he does. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Peter echoes some of those same themes. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. See, there are times when we, we come to those times when we're, we're tempted or tried or troubled and, and we, we want to cry foul. God, why? Why are you letting this in my life? Why is this going on? So-and-so's not going through this. So-and-so gets to do that. So-and-so has that opportunity. So-and-so's not having to endure this. This is not right. This is not fair. 
And as long as you stay there, you're going to stay stuck. And you will not experience the fullness of God's sustaining grace. Now, I don't pretend to know why everything that happens in our lives happens. As we've been going through our journey, one of the little mantras was, this was a journey we would have never signed up for. But it's the journey the Lord has us on. So, God, I don't fully understand it. But how can I honor you? How can I glorify you? How can I walk with you in the midst of it? That's not fatalism. That's not giving up. That's, that, that's submitting your life to the hand of a sovereign God. That's humbling yourself under his mighty hand. You know what I'm doing every time I'm complaining against that? This is unfair. That's unfair. That's not right. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of judging God's rulership of the universe, aren't I? I'm basically saying, God, I'm smarter than you. When I come to that point and say, God, I don't understand this. I sure would have never signed up for it. But God, you have chosen this season in my life. And so I'm going to trust you in it. And I'm going to seek to walk with you in it. And I want to seek to honor you in the middle of it. And when you position yourself that way, you open yourself up to receive more of God's sustaining grace. Because as James said, but he gives more grace. He gives more grace. You submit to God's sovereignty. A fourth way to appropriate God's sustaining grace is to be willing to accept help or support from God's people. To be willing to accept support from God's people. One of Paul's favorite word pictures of the, of the church, of, the, uh, of those who are followers of Jesus Christ, was a physical body. So he would talk about, we are the body of Christ. And he talks about if one member of that body suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As we are engaged in this body, he would encourage those in Galatia to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To the Thessalonians, he would say, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. You know, there are times where we need different things from the body of Christ, right? Sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we need a shove. Sometimes we need a pat on the back. Sometimes we need a kick in the rear, right? And all of those can be part of God's sustaining grace in our life. And God so very often chooses to deliver his sustaining grace through the hands and feet and prayers of his people. Now, can I just be honest with you? Nobody in this room has this problem, but I do, okay? I am a whole lot better at helping to lift somebody else's burden than I am in letting somebody else help lift mine. 
right? Okay, maybe there's one or two more out there like that. And you know, one of the things that God has been teaching me in this past year is that part of humbling yourself under his mighty hand is even humbling yourself enough to be able to accept support from the body of Christ. And sometimes it's, it's just prayers. And I'm just going to tell you, there is something powerful about having people pray for you. And I don't know how to fully explain it, but you can feel the prayers of God's people. You can. There is something about allowing people to love you and be God's hands and feet to get past yourself and to get past your pride that infuses you with God's sustaining grace. And we have been so blessed by so many in this family. Maybe it was a card, maybe it was a note, maybe it was a letter, maybe some, it's, I had some ladies, and I'll, I'll just brag on them. There could be so many. I had a group of ladies. They, they, would, they would come out and do flowers in the yard because they knew the only thing I know how to do with flowers is mow them. I mean, you know, so I, and that was it. I mean, and they, they came out and they could actually distinguish between weeds and flowers. I don't have that gift, you know. Uh, and I mean, it was just, I would have never, ever, ever thought to ask somebody to do that. Uh, and it was a group that said, we just, we just want to minister. And God used that. It's one of many, 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 many. It's just one little example. Many, many, many avenues of God's sustaining grace. But you have to be willing to accept support from God's people. And can I just be honest with you? For some of us, for some of us, it's a pride issue. And that's, that's sin. Some of us have to get beyond ourselves. I know some of us were raised, you just don't ask for help or, or whatever it might be. I had some couple conversations with some folks uh, between the services about this very point. And yes, that same Galatians passage a couple verses later says we're all to carry our own load. But there are burdens that sometimes become so overwhelming that we need the body of Christ to help bear those burdens. Are you willing to accept support from God's people? whether that's a hug or a shove, whether that's a pat on the back or a kick in the seat, accept support from God's people. There's a fifth way to appropriate God's grace, and that's to hold on to God's promises. And this is very close to filling your mind with God's word. But I wanted to separate it out because when, when you come to God's word, you, you just come and, and there are certain passages, there are certain promises that the Holy Spirit just quickens. He brings it to life and he says, this is for you. This is for you in this moment, in this season of your life. And in those moments, you need to hold fast to those words. I can tell you the number of times I've come back to Philippians 1.6. God, you are faithful to carry to completion the work that you have begun in me, in Christ Jesus. There have been people who I've been praying for, some of them for years, and I come back to Philippians 1, 6, God, you are faithful to carry to completion 
what you have begun in Christ Jesus. There are so many promises. Romans 8 is filled with them. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God is for you. Hold on to that promise. When you begin to doubt it in the midst of weariness, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of temptation, come back and remind yourself, God gave his son to die for you. Do you think he's not going to finish that work? Do you think he's not going to supply you with sustaining grace? He will graciously give us all things. I'm going to tell you the the book of Romans and Romans 8 was so impactful for me that that this fall, I'll just go ahead and give you a preview of coming attractions. This fall, I'm actually going to do a sermon series just out of Romans chapter 8. We're just going to call it the great eight right now. Uh, It's just just that, that powerful chapter and so much of what it has to say. So I just want to encourage you uh, to to be on the lookout for that. There's so many promises. Let me just uh, give you a a couple more. Uh, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we think about sustaining grace, God, thank you. God, thank you that I'm not doing this alone. God, thank you that I don't have to do it in my own strength. But God, you are at work in me today to to will, to desire, to do your best and to empower me, to enable me to work for your good pleasure so that I just keep coming back to promises like that. Let's look at one more, and we're going to look at this passage in a little more detail in a few weeks. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has this, this, this burden, this Thorn in the flesh. And he's calling out to God to basically take it away. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I can't tell you the number of times I've come back and said, God, I'm weak today. But your grace is sufficient Your grace is sufficient for this temptation. Your grace is sufficient for my weariness. Your grace is sufficient for this trouble that I'm walking through. Your grace is more than sufficient for this season of my life. You need to hold on to the promises of God. They will give you and fill you with God's sustaining grace. And let me just offer you kind of a, a, bonus, a bonus pick here, all right? If you want to call this number six, you can. But that one of the ways that, that, that is helpful to, to kind of anchor yourself in God's promises is, is oftentimes through music. And, and some of you, music speaks to your heart. And, and I, I can't tell you the number of times, and I know I've said that like a lot this morning, but it, it's true. I just can't count them all. A number of times that over this past year plus where I've just, I've just let the promises of God's word wash over me through music. 
And you may have different taste in music. That's okay. I'm not talking about mamby-pamby songs here. I'm talking about stuff with some meat to it, all right? I mean, there is something about putting yourself under somebody singing How Great Thou Art that just reorients your life. Great is his faithfulness. I played a lot of Brooklyn Tab, you know. To hear that choir belt out, he's been faithful, faithful to me. Little Whitney Phipps tear off on some of those classic hymns of the faith. Chris Tomlin or whoever it might be for you. But I'm, I'm just going to encourage you. I'm not not picking on other music choices. That's fine, you know. I was listening to some Motown yesterday. So, I mean, it's good, you know. But if you want to find yourself in a season particularly where you need some of God's sustaining grace, let it wash over you. Just plug in. Some of you, some of you, it, it helps you to sing. Sing out to the Lord. Some of us, that's discouraging, so we just plug and play, right? We let somebody else sing to, and, and let those words wash over us there. But very often that music takes some of those promises and some of those truths and takes them from the head level and kind of down to the heart level a little more. So I'm just going to encourage you. Hold on to God's promises. Let me kind of try to put this together with a, with a, a story. Um, many of you know the name of William Wilberforce. If you don't, it would serve you well to get acquainted with that man's life. Uh, William Wilberforce was a follower of Christ, uh, connected with John Newton, who authored the hymn Amazing Grace. And he was on the front lines in England of eventually bringing the slave trade to a stop and having it declared illegal. But it was not an easy task. And it did not happen in a moment. It did not happen in one legislative session. It took years and years and years. And it cost him so much physically, financially, relationally. And there was a time after about 10 years in this battle. And he had just suffered another crushing legislative defeat because of all the vested interest in the slave trade. And Wilberforce, tired, frustrated, weary, found himself back at his home and he opened up his Bible because you feed your mind on God's word if you want sustaining grace. And as he opened his Bible, he was reading, he was leafing through, and as he was doing, a piece of paper came out and fluttered to the floor, and he picked it up. And it was a letter that John Wesley had written to him just right before Wesley died. Here were some of the words of that letter. Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. 
Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But, but if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. (laughs) At a critical moment, when Wilberforce wanted to give up, he harnessed again the power of God's word. The power of crying out to God and having other people cry out to God on your behalf. The power of the body of Christ becoming the hands and feet of God to deliver a note that just happened to flutter out of the Bible at just the right time and reminding him of the precious promises of God's word that if God be for us, in the end, it doesn't really matter who's against us because none of them are stronger than our God. And with sustained strength supplied by God's sustaining grace, Wilberforce continued the battle until eventually slavery was outlawed in the country of England and in the empire that it still controlled. Because one man experienced God's sustaining grace. And that's what God wants you to experience. I don't know that he's going to call you to a decade-plus-long legislative battle but he's going to call you to a life a life where you're going to get tired and troubled and tempted and you're going to have times when you want to give up and you're going to need God's sustaining grace to help you to keep going to keep going through whatever you're going through and that's where God wants to deliver his sustaining grace but you have to position yourself to appropriate it on a daily basis. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads with me, and I want to pray for you. And, and then I, I, I want to I just give you some time to, I hope, make this very, very personal. So let me just begin and, and pray for you. Father, I, I just ask right now, Lord, you, you know You know what it is that you are purposing to do in every one of our lives. You know know where some are struggling with temptation right now, where some are so weary, maybe to the point of giving up. Father, you know where we're just perhaps even overwhelmed with troubles. Your grace is more than sufficient. And you will be the God who sustains. And so, Father, I just ask right now, would you just meet us anew and afresh with your sustaining grace? And, Father, would you just, even now, just speak personally to every life in this room? Father, I pray very particularly that for some, the first step of sustaining grace is to receive your saving grace. And, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they, that they understand the reality of their sin, that that has separated them from you and from your, your grace and your plan for their life now and forever, and that the only hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day where 
one turns from sin. They turn from self. They, they turn to you not only as the, the forgiver and Savior, but the leader and Lord of their life. Father, just ask you to move right now. And Lord, out of that saving grace, would you just meet us anew and afresh with sustaining grace today? As you just continue now to sit before the Lord, there's some questions on your note-taking guide that I, I want to just ask you to just take these next couple moments and just look at. And just, just ask God's Spirit just to prompt in you reflection and response. Where do you most need God's sustaining grace in your life right now? The more specific you can get, the more powerful it will be. Where do you need God's sustaining grace? How can you put into practice the five ways to appropriate God's sustaining grace? Maybe as we've gone through that, there's been some that you've been reminded you need to, you need to renew, you need to kind of revive or restart. Some maybe you need to start for the first time in your life. And as you think about sustaining grace, maybe today God's calling you to be part of the delivery system of sustaining grace into the life of another. He wants to use you as his hands and feet. Who might that person be? Is somebody, God laying somebody on your heart right now? How will you specifically be available to do this? What does that look like for you? Maybe you don't know, but maybe you just need to say, God, I'm available. I'm available. And then I'm just going to ask you, is there just a particular promise from God's Word that maybe you need to memorize, maybe you need to meditate on for this season of your life? Maybe as a starting point, you just want to walk back through that outline and just say, boy, there's, there's a, that promise, God, just, that just jumped off the page at me today. I need that. I need to camp there for a while. As you reflect, we invite you to respond. And you can evident that response in a couple ways. One is through a Connect card that Pat mentioned earlier in the service. And if you still have that with you, we encourage you just to, to look at the back of that. And there's some boxes that talk about next steps. Maybe some of those are appropriate to you. Maybe it's just about some more information. Maybe you just need to write a quick note and say, Pastor Jeff, would you pray for me in this area? This is where I need God's sustaining grace. And you can drop that card and the connect card collectors that are, have some flowers on them, I think, today, but they're around by the exit doors. We also have a space in the back of our worship center called our connect room. We have a team of folks that's there, and they're there right now, and they're going to be there uh, throughout the last few moments of our service. They'll be there after our service. Maybe today you just need somebody to come alongside you and pray. Pray about something just together to call out for God's help. 
for God's sustaining grace. They'd be privileged to do that with you today. Maybe you have some questions about what it means to be a follower of Christ, or maybe today God's just prompted you to go public with your faith in the, through the waters of baptism, or you know that this is the family he wants to connect you to. The Connect team can help you with all of those things, answer some questions that you may have along the way. And so I'm, I'm just going to ask you that for some of you, part of your response today includes some physical steps, that before you walk out of this room, you need to walk into the Connect room and allow the body of Christ to come alongside you as you take that next step. As we just continue to respond.